Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. But you know, we've been in the middle of this series and we've called this series Crucial Conversations. And we've had conversations that I, I think the church is all too silent on. And my, my, my personal belief, man, I think that these are the types of conversations that if they're going to happen at all, first and foremost, they should be had inside the church. That God's people need to lead the way. And when there's division out there, the problem is unity. And unity is, is a problem for God's people to address. So the first week we talked about holy sexuality. We talked about all of sexuality. So if you weren't here, you can always go back online, cvchurch.org. You can pick that message up. I think it's an important uh, conversation for the church to have. Uh, the week after that last week, you remember if you were here, Alex Bryant was here. And it was a biblical perspective of racial reconciliation. And so again, if you weren't here, I, I think it's a healthy conversation. And these are just the starts of conversation. This isn't the answer. It isn't the solution. But I think if you've missed any of those, uh, you should be here. Next week, we're going to talk about, talk about women in the church. And the reason that I think this is so important, I, I really do, that we have a distinct biblical view on it. We really have a biblical view, and I want you to know that our view is biblical, that we don't just say, gosh, the culture is kind of moving in a direction. Let's get on board with the culture. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. I think as people, as God's people, we are people of the word first and foremost. Now, that's not an, that's not an opportunity to beat people over the head with the truth. That's not what we're talking about. But we're saying, why are we doing these things? What does the Bible actually have to say about this? All right, now let's go be people of the word. And so next week we'll talk about that. Today will be a little bit different experience for you. And, and, um, and we're going to talk about mental health issues. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but some of you, if you're fairly new to the church, or maybe this, this, you just weren't aware of it, but the church's history on this has kind of been almost emotional and spiritual abuse in that what the church has said is, man, really you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with anxiety or any kind of mental health or brain health issues? Man, you just don't have enough faith. You gotta pray more. You just gotta believe. You gotta, listen to me, telling people who are battling anxiety to not worry, it ain't helping, everybody. We, we know that, right? It ain't helping. And so this morning, uh, we're gonna talk about that. Now we have a guest speaker this morning and her name is Eliza Silky and some of you will know her because her and her husband Brent have a long history at Cedar Valley Church. and this is so inconsiderate of people. She's like, I'm going to have a baby. Like, I don't know if I can do it. And I just thought, how rude. And so uh, what we actually got her to do is we, we put her on video. And, and, you know, she just had her baby. She's not ready to come back. So we're showing the video this morning. But I'm telling you, I think this is a great word for the church. And at the end, when she's done, we're going to have some good practical applications. So here's the deal. This may be a word for you specifically. We know that a lot of people are struggling and suffering. She's going to address that. We know a lot of people are hurting. If it's not you, it's most likely 100% somebody that you know. And so I'm asking you to just dial in, tune in, and then we're going to have some extended time at the, at the end of worship, and we're going to have a time of practical application, okay? So enjoy uh, Lisa Silky this morning. Good morning, Cedar Valley. I am so honored and excited to share with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Neil and Kim, for the opportunity to be here and share with you today. Um, Cedar Valley has been home to me since 2003, and this church family has just been such a gift to us. I met my husband, Brent, here. We said our vows uh, right here on this platform. We've had the joy of raising our kids here, and we just absolutely love this church family. So it's an honor to be here with you today. 
You can see um, on the screen a picture of my family. And uh, we have three kids. We have Belle, who is nine. We have Clara, who is six. And Henry is almost three. And then I am very close to delivering our fourth baby, who will be a boy. And we are very excited to meet him. And that's why I'm coming to you pre-recorded this morning. The due date of baby number four lines up very closely with the timing of this message. So um, thank you for your grace and understanding in the pre-recorded format. I appreciate that. Um, I am also a licensed professional clinical counselor. I received my master's degree in counseling psychology from the University of St. Thomas, and I've been working as a counselor for the past seven and a half years. I really love uh, my work, and I treat kids, teenagers, adults, families. I see a lot of um, anxiety, depression, trauma, help people with suicidal thoughts quite a bit, also help people with relationship issues. And it is just one of my greatest joys in life to walk with people through some of life's biggest challenges and to see them find healing and restoration through that process. Pastor Neil asked me to come and talk about mental health today and we have certainly had a lot of challenges in the past year related to mental health. I think all of us can relate in some way to a level of increased stress uh, in the past year. We've experienced isolation. We've experienced disappointment upon disappointment. Um, many people have experienced significant loss, significant financial hardship. There have been a lot of increased tensions in the past year, and it has certainly taken a huge toll on our mental health. According to the CDC, we see a, we've seen a significant rise in mental health from 2019 to 2020. Um, in the U.S., the research says, according to the CDC, that the rate of anxiety tripled from 2019 to 2020, and the rate of depression actually quadrupled from 2019 to 2020. They estimate that about a quarter of the U.S. population experienced some type of trauma response related to the pandemic. A quarter. That's a lot. They estimate that 10% of the U.S. population increased their substance use in that time period. And the number of people having suicidal thoughts doubled. So this has been no joke. <laughs> this has taken a huge toll on our entire nation. And then if we look at where we're at now and a little bit closer to home, the CDC um, has data just focused specifically on Minnesota, and the data is really current from March of 2021. And that data suggests that 32% of Minnesotans are currently experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression. So we're still feeling it, and it's still really big. If you're struggling, you are not alone. <laughs> um, and I want to take a moment just to be vulnerable with you here this morning and share a little bit about the struggle that it was for us in 2020. 
At the start of the pandemic, my father-in-law was in and out of the hospital with some pretty serious heart issues. And of course, we weren't allowed to be there at the hospital with him, and it was it was very hard to be away, and we're very worried about him. Um, and then we also had a child who was struggling uh, with post-concussive syndrome, which created a lot of emotional and behavioral challenges, and they were pretty taxing and exhausting for us as a family. And of course, like everyone else, Brent and I were adapting to working from home. Uh, as a counselor, I certainly felt the, the increased weight of things for my clients and how that was impacting their mental health. Uh, my husband, Brent, was trying to very rapidly adapt a college campus ministry that he leads to be completely virtual. Um, we became distance learning teachers, of course, like, like um, most parents did. Um, we're trying to process the, the happenings of our world related to the pandemic and the racial tensions. We're trying to work through that personally. We're trying to guide clients through that, guide our college students through that. And it was a lot. We're both working full time. We didn't have any childcare. You know, kids are at home with us. And so we're tr real busy trying to get our work in, trying to trade off work hours and taking care of kids, trying to keep kids quiet so whoever was working could work effectively. Um, and then still pretty close to the beginning of the pandemic, um, our association decided to redo our roofs. And so we had people on top of our building and they were, you know, throwing staples are falling, random things are falling from the roof. So it wasn't safe to go outside anymore at that point. And at this point, all of the parks were still shut down. So we really couldn't go outside and we're trying to kind of just keep everyone calm and contained in the house. And then we discovered a leak in our house. <laughs> and this leak required us to replace all of the flooring in the main level of our home, which effectively took out all of the play space for our kids. <laughs> so we just felt like all of the weight from all of these sides was building and adding up. And we certainly felt stretched to our limits as a family. And I share this today not to say that our story is um, is the worst. By no means, it is not. Uh, we've our hearts have broken with so many people close to us that have experienced significant tragedy and loss during this year. But I share it today just to say that if you're struggling, you're not alone. If anyone should have been prepared to handle the challenges that we faced, it should have been a professional counselor and a pastor, right? <laughs> but we didn't know how to handle it. And it did feel like it was too much for too long. And we really struggled. And so I say that today to say that if you are struggling, you are not alone. All of us struggle. And in fact, research would say that at some point in our lives, 80% of us will experience some type of mental health condition. 
Although mental health is so prevalent, it still tends to be a pretty delicate topic in the church. And on one side of the topic are those who have personally experienced mental health challenges. And if you're in that boat, you may have felt that you weren't safe to be able to talk about the struggle in church. Or you may have even felt hurt by the church and felt like people didn't understand. And if you're in that boat, this message is for you. On the other side of the topic are people who've been trying to support and pray and help people through the challenges of mental health struggles. And if you're in that category, you may have felt like all of the help and support that you've tried to offer has not led to the kind of breakthrough that you had hoped for. And if you're in that camp, then this message is also for you today. So let's first talk about how the church has, has tended to hurt people unintentionally who are struggling with mental health. The main way I've seen this happen is that people in the church have offered fairly simplistic answers to mental health struggles. People have heard the message that, you know, you, you just need to pray more. Or, you know, I really think you just need to get into the word more. Or, you know, just just choose to rejoice in the Lord. Or, you know, you, you need to really have more faith or, or just, just trust more. And answers like those are generally coming from very spiritually minded people who have the best of intentions, um, who are offering spiritual answers. But in my professional experience talking with Christian clients, they've often felt hurt by these answers because they have prayed and they have spent more time in the Word and they're still struggling. So what does that say about their faith then? They tend to get the idea that their faith is weak or that they aren't good enough Christians in some way. So as well-meaning as these messages have been, they've actually caused quite a lot of hurt and frustration for those who are struggling. And the main reason that these answers are, are a little bit too simplistic is that mental health is complex. And so these answers are speaking to the spiritual side of it, but they're not recognizing that mental health is actually a broad, whole person kind of struggle. And so we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about the complexity of the mental health challenge and how to speak to it from a more whole person approach. But I want to take a minute first to just speak directly to those who have been hurt. And I just want to apologize on behalf of, of the Capital C Church, on the behalf of, of any church people that have hurt you, and just say, we are sorry. We are sorry if we have oversimplified things. We have sor are sorry if we've only given spiritual answers and we haven't recognized the complexity of the challenge that you're facing. And we are sorry that we have added to the pain that you have already experienced. We're sorry. In general, the church has not been well prepared to address the mental health challenges that are present in our world. And so my hope is that after this morning and after we learn a little bit more together, that we'll be better prepared to help respond to the huge number of people that are struggling with this today. 
the reality is that many mental health conditions are biologically based. Um, now, I wear contact lenses and glasses, and uh, biologically, I am not able to see well without those things. Um, but I have never been accused of not having enough faith because I wear contacts or because I wear glasses. This is a biologically based thing, and I use contacts and glasses to be able to help me see better. And that in no way indicates a level of my faith. It indicates that biologically I can't see well. And so in a, in a similar way, we've got people struggling with a biologically based difficulty, and that in no way indicates anything about the level of their faith. Many uh, mental health conditions include a biologically based chemical imbalance, and most are a combination of both biology and life stressors, that combination of nature and nurture working together to kind of create a perfect storm of events that leads to a mental health struggle. We live in a world that is just filled with hurt and dysfunction and trauma and mess. And those challenges in life lead to deeply ingrained patterns that cause problems with our emotions, with our thinking, with our behaviors. And they set us up to struggle with mental health. But this isn't new. This has been going on since the beginning. We see from the very beginning of Scripture that humanity has been a mess. <laughs> um, we think back to the very first family in the Bible. We've got Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve uh, both sin, and then they both try to push the blame for it on other people. Um, and then their two sons, one of them murders the other son. <laughs> that is messy, right? Um, then we've got Joseph, and Joseph's family was just riddled with jealousy and favoritism. And his brothers, Joseph's brothers, end up selling him into slavery. How traumatic is that, right? And then if we start looking at some of the heroes of our faith that are all throughout Scripture, we see that they have a significant mental health struggles. We see Moses. So he delivered the Israelites from Egypt, right? And he struggled with his identity and with self-doubt. We've got Gideon, who Scripture describes as a mighty hero. Um, and he actually struggled with fear and anxiety and doubts. And he kept asking God and needing more and more reassurance for what God was asking him to do. Then we've got Elijah, the renowned prophet. And he at one point told God that he'd had enough. And he asked God if he would, could just take his life. We've got David, uh, who's described as a man after God's own heart. He committed adultery. He murdered an innocent man. And then in the Psalms, we see that he was very clearly depressed from what, much of what he wrote. And again, he's a man after God's own heart, right? And then we've got Peter, who's described as the rock of the church. And he had so many big 
emotions. He kind of rode a roller coaster of emotional ups and downs, and he had so many impulsive choices coming out of those big emotions, and yet he's described as the rock of the church. So all through scripture, we see this human struggle. We see anxiety, fear, trauma, depression, mess, and it's all part of humanity. And God created us, and he loves us, and he even chooses to use us, mess and all. <laughs> so, so how do we respond then? How do we respond to the mental health struggles that we face that are kind of coming from this uh, mix of nature and nurture and um, our, maybe some underlying biology and then that interaction with, with the mess of life? I'd like to suggest to you today that the the key to responding is to recognize that we are whole people. We are mind, body, and spirit. And mental health is a whole person thing. It impacts our minds, our bodies, and our spirits. And because mental health is intertwined with our thoughts and our feelings, our biology, and our spirituality, the answer to mental health is complex and includes all of those components as well. Whole person help is needed. If we're going to help in the area of mental health, we have to help the whole person. We have to help mind, body, and spirit. So first, let's talk about our minds, the struggles that we experience with our thoughts, and with our emotions and our behaviors are very complex. And oftentimes we need some guidance in trying to sort through all of that and unravel it and get to a healthy place. We often need to have uh, help from a professional Christian counselor to help us sort those things out. Professional Christian counselors have scientific, research-based interventions that can help us untangle all of that and get to a healthy place. Both my husband and I have sought counseling at different points in our lives, and both of us have found that to be very beneficial. Um, That does not mean that we weren't full of enough faith. It doesn't mean that we were weak Christians. Uh, It means that we recognized that we needed some guidance to help us become more emotionally healthy individuals. And um, if any of you know my husband, um, he is one of the most optimistic, (laughs) visionary, faith-filled kind of individuals you would would meet. That would be obvious to you if you talk to him. And yet he, he still needed professional help to work through some of the difficulties and challenges that he was experiencing. And if he were here today, he would say that it was one of the best decisions that he ever made. Oftentimes we need that professional help to help us navigate it, to help shift our thinking, to help calm the emotions, and to help heal that trauma. Let's talk about our biology next. Um, because there's a biological component to many mental health conditions, it only makes sense that there would need to be a biological intervention as well. And sometimes that biological intervention can take the form of 
exercise or nutrition or making some changes to our health habits. And oftentimes those things really make a significant difference and that's wonderful. And sometimes it's not enough and we also need to make a change related to medication. And this has been kind of a taboo, um, a taboo subject. Like maybe if you take medication for mental health, you have felt again that that message that maybe you're not a good enough Christian, you're not having enough faith, or something's wrong if you can't find enough joy in the Lord that you have to take medication. And I want to speak directly to that today and say that's that's not right. It's it's okay to take a medication for mental health. It's no more wrong than it is for me to wear contact lenses. You're addressing a biologically-based condition with a biological intervention, and it's okay. Similar to a heart condition, typically if someone has a heart condition, there are recommendations made to change some health habits. And as people make those health habits changes, um, it's great and it's, it's probably helpful. And sometimes it's not enough, and sometimes medication is still needed, and that's okay. And in a similar way, it's okay to take medication for mental health. And so if that is something that is recommended and helpful to you, I just encourage you to pursue that without any shame or any condemnation. You are not any less of a Christian. You are caring for your body, and that's great. And then finally, mental health has a spiritual component. And we, when we're struggling with mental health, we tend to be full of questions. Uh, we tend to be full of doubts. We tend to really be suffering and really wrestling and struggling with that degree of suffering. And God loves it when we bring those things to him. Um, he loves it when, we, when through prayer we can just be honest with him about how we're feeling and what the struggles are. Uh, spending time in his word and being able to exchange the lies that we have believed with the truth that God's word gives us is such a powerful thing. It's just amazing that we as believers have the word of God to guide us in that. Um, being a part of a community of believers that can encourage us and, and support us and walk that journey with us is, is such a gift and such a key part of of being a, a, a follower of Christ. And so all of those things are wonderful ways to address the spiritual part of mental health. And we certainly don't want to neglect those things. Those are some of the most powerful tools we have as believers to help combat mental health from a spiritual perspective. Cedar Valley offers prayer mentors, and that's a free service. So if you're feeling like you would really like some focused guidance on the spiritual aspect of that, that's available to you through the church. As I spend time uh, listening to clients who are believers, um, a, a common theme that I hear is that uh, there tends to be kind of a, a blaming of God and this idea that, you know, if God really cared about me, then then something would change about my circumstances or my or my suffering. He would take it from me if, if he cared. And um, they tend to get kind of 
caught up in the idea that the suffering needs to end. And and as I was preparing for this message, I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to, to just talk about that side of this topic for a moment. And um, what I'd like to say is that suffering is, is a given. Um, scripture says, when you experience trials, not if, <laughs> it's a given. It's part of our human existence that we are going to suffer. And it's very painful. There's no doubt about that. And God is waiting for us to come to him in the midst of our suffering. He wants us to come with all of our raw emotions and to have open hands that are ready to surrender. He wants us to bring him our honest doubts and questions. And he wants us to have our hearts ready to let him into the process. He wants us to come with our requests for deliverance and relief and help. And he wants us to have an openness to his Holy Spirit and whatever his will and his plan is. We see David modeling this for us in the Psalms. Over and over again, we see a pattern of him just pouring out his raw, unfiltered, honest questions and doubts to God and just pouring out his feelings. And then he'll end with something like, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever, or his love endures forever. And he repeats that pattern over and over, this honest expression of emotions. And then his, at the end, kind of his confident expression that he trusts in God. We see this in Jesus' life as well. I think of the, the Garden of Gethsemane when he knew about the terrible suffering that he was about to experience in crucifixion. And he asks God to take the suffering from him. He asks God, is there any other way to take this cup of suffering from me? And then he concludes, not my will, but yours be done. And so I encourage you, if you're caught up in the midst of this huge struggle and sense of suffering, to, to model the example that David provides for us and that Jesus provided for us, where you honestly pour out your feelings they can be raw. They can be authentic and unfiltered. And you also bring an openness to God to surrender, to let him in, to say, not my will, but yours be done. As believers, we're really missing out on something if we don't um, incorporate this spiritual part of um, of our mental health journey. And so I encourage you, invite God into the process. Engage in those faith-building practices like prayer and scripture and being part of a community of believers. And then be honest and have that open heart of surrender to God. So as we bring this all together here this morning, um, I really want to encourage us to be a church of people that can acknowledge and validate the struggle and be honest that we all struggle. And when we see others struggling with mental health, to validate it and acknowledge it. 
my hope is that we will be able to respond with compassion and understanding because we've further grasped the complexity of the struggle. And my hope is that we will be able to encourage people to pursue whole person healing, mind, body, spirit, and that we could cheer them on. How amazing would it be if we had as a church, a refreshing perspective on mental health, that when people uh, entered our doors, that they felt free to talk about the struggle, and that when they did talk about the struggle, that, we, it, they, that they could feel the compassionate understanding that we are uh, presenting, and that they could feel encouraged by us to pursue help as a whole person, without any shame, without any condemnation about counseling, about medication, and really helping them through some of those spiritual struggles. With the rate of mental health challenges today, we we really have to be prepared to respond well. And um, I hope that we are able to give ourselves compassion so that we can pursue the help that we need when we're struggling and that we can be ready and prepared to help those sitting next to us in the seats around us in this room and among our community as we're out and about in our community. We're going to be able to spend some time at the altar this morning and have uh, the chance for the Holy Spirit to just work in us in these areas. And um, my prayer for this altar time has been that maybe for those who are really personally struggling, my prayer is that God would work in your hearts and um, be able to, to get to a point where you can have some compassionate understanding for yourself about the complexity of this, and that that would lead you to have the courage that that it requires to pursue whatever the next step of healing is. Maybe that means you, per- you pursue professional Christian counseling. Maybe that means you make a biological change or you even talk to your doctor. Maybe that means you, you pursue some spiritual growth su- through some guidance or, or some spiritual practices that are very helpful. Maybe you're really honest with God this morning and you express those raw emotions and you have those open hands of surrender. And then some of us also need to um, kind of confess that we've had some judgments or some limited understanding of mental health. And we want to ask the Holy Spirit to, to exchange those things for hearts of compassion and a readiness to respond to the needs of our fellow believers, the needs of our community, and just ask God to help prepare our hearts to be ready to minister effectively to those who are struggling with mental health. I'd like to pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for Cedar Valley Church and the incredible uh, church family that this is. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, grow in our understanding about mental health and the complexity of it. And I just pray that as we spend time in your presence this morning, that you would be working in our hearts, that you would communicate to us that we are not alone, that we would know that you are with us and that this body of believers is with us. 
I pray for those who need to take additional steps in their own healing. I pray that they would feel a sense of courage and freedom to pursue those steps without shame and without guilt. I pray that those who are struggling would feel a sense of support from their church family for them to take the steps that are necessary. And I pray that we as a body of believers would be prepared and ready to minister effectively to those who are in this room struggling with mental health, those who are online watching with us, and those in our community that are struggling. I pray that we would be ready to respond with a heart of compassion, with a heart of understanding that validates the struggle, that acknowledges the struggle, and that supports people in getting the kind of whole person help that is required. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to talk about this, to grow in this area. And I pray that you would uh, speak to each heart individually and personally what you want them to hear and understand and take away from this. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Cedar Valley. Have a great Sunday. I just thought it was, it was so relevant what she had to say this morning to us as a church and to be, to be a, a safe place for people. I think that's just so crucially important. A couple things that just I really appreciated that she said. And one is that, man, if you're feeling that uh, during this season, during this area, you're normal. You're still normal. Well, you're, you, you may be abnormal, but I'm saying that, that would be a normal response. You know what I'm saying? That's a normal response during this time. And so there's, there's not shame in that. There's not condemnation. There's not judgment in that. Um, I, I love the fact she said, it's a multifaceted thing. This is a multifaceted thing. And, and there, there, there are biological issues and there's spiritual issues. And, 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 and there are some mental issues. I, I look at our house. We try to eat good and we try to exercise good. And I see a professional counselor every six weeks. Every six weeks, I'm on the, I'm on the schedule. And it's healing. It's helpful. And it helps me to process a number of things. I remember a number of years ago, this has got to be at least 20 years ago, uh, I was with someone and they just said, you know, man, you got to just quit taking your insulin. Declare that you are no longer diabetic. I was like, now that's one approach. Uh, I don't feel that God has ever told me that. And I listen, nobody wants to not be a diabetic more than I do, man. I pray and I pray and, and God just like, this is what I have for you. I, I find it very interesting in the Psalms where it says, yea, you remember the old King James Version, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We always want to walk around. He says, no, you, though I walk through it. But David still talks about how God is there, how God is with him. And so, uh, you know, I, I think of the Psalms where David, man, if you're a guy, especially, we look at David, we go, warrior. David's a warrior, greatest king in Israel's history. And he's described as a man after God's own heart. I mean, that, that's quite a resume. And listen to how David writes, Psalm 3. David says, I cry out to the Lord. And he answers me. Psalm 6, David says, Have compassion on me, Lord. I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I'm sick at heart. How long, O God, until you restore me? He goes on and he says, I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. And yet then you get to Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is a Davidic psalm. David wrote Psalm 91. And David says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
He says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God. I trust him. He says, he'll cover you with his feathers. He'll shelter you with his wings. And I just like that mental image that he gives you. It's like a mama bird just pulling in her little chick and just bringing the bird close. That's the way he describes God. He says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. That's our God. That's the hope that we have. That's the trust that we have in God, that God does deliver us from those things as we go through them, not necessarily around them. And so practically speaking this morning, what do we do? Practically speaking. Well, the first thing I would tell you to do is this. Get on a website, cvchurch.org, but go specifically to cvchurch.org forward slash get help. A lot of you need to go here. Now, listen, we've done a lot of extensive prayer, what we would call prayer counseling in the past. We don't call it prayer counseling anymore. We call it prayer mentoring. It's been slightly rejuvenated, our program has. And I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantastic program. And there is prayer mentoring for you to sit and pray, pray with people who've been trained through a specific curriculum, to pray with them that there can be healing. And just so you know this, those people who do our prayer mentoring and walk through those things with you and pray, pray with you through those situations all also have a list of resources. It is entirely appropriate that you would see a prayer mentor and that you would also seek professional help. And you may do them concurrently at the same time. So the first practical step for you is cvchurch.org forward slash get help. Our prayer support is listed on that page. Some of you have lost loved ones during this time and it has been extremely painful for you because you haven't been able to grieve and mourn with the body of Christ. There's grief support class that's on there. And I'm gonna encourage you, some of you need to check that out. This morning in this room, what are we gonna do? And that is we're gonna be and behave like the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is called our comforter, our encourager, our strengthener, our counselor, the, the word paraclete, parakletos, paraclete is, means the advocate, the one who, who speaks up for you, who goes to the Father on your behalf. And so we're going to spend some time, some concerted time in, in just a moment of ministry. Let the Holy Spirit meet you here this morning. Church, would you stand with me? We'll worship. Let me pray. So, Father, this morning, that's what we do. We throw ourselves at, at your feet and we just cry out for mercy. We cry out for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. God, we've come to give this morning, to give worship. But now, Lord, I, I really believe this with all my heart that you want to give, that you want to give healing, you want to give comfort, you want to give counsel. And so, Lord, would you do that? Would you minister to the body of Christ as we're here this morning as we cry out to you? Holy Spirit, we know you're in the room. We know you're here. You fill this place. And so now fill our hearts, minister as we worship, Father.